Chapter 14 of Toby Tyler or Ten Weeks with a Circus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James O'Connor. Toby Tyler or Ten Weeks with a Circus by James Otis. Chapter 14. Mr. Castle Teaches Toby to Ride When Toby got within sight of the ring, he was astonished at what he saw. A horse with a broad wooden saddle was being led slowly around the ring. Mr. Castle was standing on one side with a long whip in his hand, and on the tent pole which stood in the center of the ring was a long arm, from which dangled a leathern belt attached to a long rope that was carried through the end of the arm and run down to the base of the pole. Toby knew well enough why the horse, the whip, and the man were there, but the wooden projection from the tent pole, which looked so much like a gallows, he could not understand at all. Come now, said Mr. Castle, cracking his whip ominously as Toby came in sight. Why weren't you here before? Mr. Lord just sent me in, said Toby, not expecting that his excuse would be received, for they never had been since he had arrived at the height of his ambition by joining the circus. Then I'll make Mr. Job understand that I am to have my full hour of your time, and if I don't get it, there'll be trouble between us. It would have pleased Toby very well to have had Mr. Castle go out with his long whip just then and make trouble for Mr. Lord, but Mr. Castle had not the time to spare because of the trouble which he was about to make for Toby, and that he commenced on at once. Well, get in here and don't waste any more time, he said sharply. Toby looked around curiously for a moment and not understanding exactly what he was expected to get in and do, asked, What shall I do? Pull off your boots, coat, and vest. Since there was no other course than to learn to ride, Toby wisely concluded that the best thing he could do would be to obey his new master without question. So he began to take off his clothes with as much alacrity as if learning to ride was the one thing upon which he had long set his heart. Mr. Castle was evidently accustomed to prompt obedience, for he not only took it as a matter of course, but endeavored to hurry Toby in the work of undressing. With his desire to please, and urged by Mr. Castle's words and the ominous shaking of his whip, Toby's preparations were soon made, and he stood before his instructor clad only in his shirt, trousers, and stockings. The horse was led around to where he stood, and when Mr. Castle held out his hand to help him to mount, Toby jumped up quickly without aid, thereby making a good impression at the start as a willing lad. Now, said the instructor as he pulled down the leathern belt which hung from the rope and fastened it around Toby's waist, Stand up in the saddle and try to keep there. You can't fall because the rope will hold you up, even if the horse goes out from under you. But it isn't hard work to keep on if you mind what you are about 
and if you don't, this whip will help you. Now stand up. Toby did as he was bid, and as the horse was led at a walk, and as he had the long bridle to aid him in keeping his footing, he had no difficulty in standing during the time that the horse went once around the ring, but that was all. Mr. Castle seemed to think that this was preparation enough for the boy to be able to understand how to ride, and he started the horse into a canter. As might have been expected, Toby lost his balance. The horse went on ahead, and he was left dangling at the end of the rope, very much like a crab that has just been caught by the means of a pole and line. Toby kicked, waved his hands, and floundered about generally, but all to no purpose, until the horse came round again, and then he made frantic efforts to regain his footing, which efforts were aided, or perhaps it would be more proper to say retarded, by the long lash of Mr. Castle's whip that played around his legs with merciless severity. Stand up, stand up, cried his instructor, as Toby reeled first to one side and then to the other, now standing erect in the saddle and now dangling at the end of the rope, with the horse almost out from under him. This command seemed needless, as it was exactly what Toby was trying to do but as it was given he struggled all the harder, until it seemed to him that the more he tried, the less did he succeed. And this first lesson progressed in about the same way until the hour was over, save that now and then Mr. Castle would give him some good advice, but oftener he would twist the long lash of the whip around the boy's legs with such force that Toby believed the skin had been taken entirely off. It may have been a relief to Mr. Castle when this first lesson was concluded, and it certainly was to Toby, for he had had all the teaching in horsemanship that he wanted, and he thought, with deepest sorrow, that this would be of daily occurrence during all the time he remained with the circus. As he went out of the tent, he stopped to speak with his friend, the old monkey, and his troubles seemed to have increased when he stood in front of the cage calling, Mr. Stubbs, Mr. Stubbs, and the old fellow would not even come down from off the lofty perch where he was engaged in monkey gymnastics with several younger companions. It seemed to him, as he afterward told Ben, as if Mr. Stubbs had gone back on him because he knew that he was in trouble. When he went toward the booth, Mr. Lord looked at him around the corner of the canvas, for it seemed to Toby that his employer could look around a square corner with much greater ease than he could straight ahead, with a disagreeable leer in his eye, as though he enjoyed the misery which he knew his little clerk had just undergone. Can you ride yet? he asked mockingly as Toby stepped behind the counter to attend to his regular line of business. Toby made no reply, for he knew that the question was only asked sarcastically, and not through any desire for information. In a few moments Mr. Lord left him to attend to the booth alone, and went into the tent, where Toby rightly conjectured he had gone to question Mr. Castle upon the result of the lesson just given. 
That night old Ben asked him how he had got on while under the teaching of Mr. Castle, and Toby, knowing that the question was asked because of the real interest which Ben had in his welfare, replied, If I was trying to learn how to swing round the ring strapped to a rope, I should say that I got along first rate, but I don't know much about the horse, for I was only on his back a little while at a time. You'll get over that soon, said old Ben patronizingly as he patted him on the back. You remember my words now. I say that you've got it in you, and if you've a mind to take hold and try to learn, you'll come out on the top of the heap yet and be one of the smartest riders they've got in this show. I don't want to be a rider, said Toby sadly. I only want to get back home once more and then you'll see how much it'll take to get me away again. Well, said Ben quietly, be that as it may, while you're here the best thing you can do is to take hold and get ahead just as fast as you can. It'll make it a mighty sight easier for you while you're with the show, and it won't spoil any of your chances for running away whenever the time comes. Toby fully appreciated the truth of this remark, and he assured Ben that he should do all in his power to profit by the instruction given, and to please this new master who had been placed over him. And with this promise he lay back on the seat and went to sleep, not to awaken until the preparations were being made for the entree into the next town, and Mr. Lord's harsh voice had cried out his name, with no gentle tone, several times. Toby's first lesson with Mr. Castle was the most pleasant one he had, for after the boy had once been into the ring, his master seemed to expect that he could do everything which he was told to do, and when he failed in any little particular, the long lash of the whip would go curling around his legs or arms, until the little fellow's body and limbs were nearly covered with the blue and black stripes. For three lessons only was the wooden upright used to keep him from falling. After that he was forced to ride standing erect on the broad wooden saddle, or pad as it is properly called, and whenever he lost his balance and fell, there was no question asked as to whether or not he had hurt himself, but he was mercilessly cut with the whip. Messrs. Lord and Jacobs gained very much by comparison with Mr. Castle in Toby's mind. He had thought that his lot could not be harder than it was with them, but when he had experienced the pains of two or three of Mr. Castle's lessons in horsemanship, he thought that he would stay with the candy vendors all the season cheerfully rather than take six more lessons of Mr. Castle. Night after night he fell asleep from the sheer exhaustion of crying, as he had been pouring out his woes in the old monkey's ears and laying his plans to run away. Now, more than ever, was he anxious to get away, and yet each day was taking him farther from home and consequently necessitating a larger amount of money with which to start. As old Ben did not give him as much sympathy as Toby thought he ought to give, for the old man, while he would not allow Mr. Job Law to strike the boy if he was near, 
thought it a necessary portion of the education for Mr. Castle to lash him all he had a mind to. He poured out all his troubles in the old monkey's ears and kept him with him from the time he ceased work at night until he was obliged to commence again in the morning. The skeleton and his wife thought Toby's lot a hard one and tried by every means in their power to cheer the poor boy. Neither one of them could say to Mr. Castle what they had said to Mr. Lord, for the rider was a far different sort of a person, and one whom they would not be allowed to interfere with in any way. Therefore poor Toby was obliged to bear his troubles and his whippings as best he might, with only the thought to cheer him of the time when he could leave them all by running away. But despite all his troubles, Toby learned to ride faster than his teacher had expected he would, and in three weeks he found little or no difficulty in standing erect while his horse went around the ring at his fastest gait. After that had been accomplished, his progress was more rapid, and he gave promise of becoming a very good rider, a fact which pleased both Mr. Castle and Mr. Lord very much, as they fancied that in another year Toby would be the source of a very good income to them. The proprietor of the circus took considerable interest in Toby's instruction, and promised Mr. Castle that Mademoiselle Jeanette and Toby should do an act together in the performance just as soon as the latter was sufficiently advanced. The boy's costume had been changed after he could ride without falling off, and now while he was in the ring he wore the same as that used by the regular performers. The little girl had, after it was announced that she and Toby were to perform together, been an attentive observer during the hour that Toby was under Mr. Castle's direction, and she gave him many suggestions that were far more valuable and quicker to be acted upon than those given by the teacher himself. Tomorrow you two will go through the exercise together, said Mr. Castle to Toby and Ella at the close of one of Toby's lessons, after he had become so skillful that he could stand with ease on the pad and even advanced so far that he could jump through a hoop without falling more than twice out of three times. The little girl appeared highly delighted by this information and expressed her joy. It will be real nice, she said to Toby, after Mr. Castle had left them alone. I can help you lots, and it won't be very long before we can do an act all by ourselves in the performance, and then won't the people clap their hands when we come in. It'll be better for you tomorrow than it will for me, said Toby, rubbing his legs sorrowfully, still feeling the sting of the whip. You see, Mr. Castle won't dare to whip you, and he'll make it all count on me, because he knows Mr. Lord likes to have him whip me. But I shan't make any mistake, said Ella confidently, and so you won't have to be whipped on my account. And while I am on the horse, you can't be whipped, for he couldn't do it without whipping me. So you see, you won't get only half as much. Toby brightened up a little under the influence of this argument, but his countenance fell again as he thought that his chances for getting away from the circus were growing less each day. You see, I want to get back to Uncle Dan'l and Guilford, he said confidentially. I don't want to stay here a single minute. Ella opened her eyes in wide astonishment as she cried. 
don't want to stay here. Why don't you go home then? Because Job Laud won't let me, said Toby, wondering if it was possible that his little companion did not know exactly what sort of a man his master was. Then he told her, after making her give him all kinds of promises, including the ceremony of crossing her throat, that she would never tell a single soul, that he had had many thoughts and had formed all kinds of plans for running away. He told her about losing his money, about his friendship for the skeleton and the fat lady, and at last he confided in her that he was intending to take the old monkey with him when he should make the attempt. She listened with the closest attention, and when he told her that his little hoard had now reached the sum of seven dollars and ten cents, almost as much as he had before, she said eagerly, I've got three little gold dollars in my trunk, and you shall have them all. They're my very own, for Mamma gave them to me to do just what I wanted to with them. But I don't see how you can take Mr. Stubbs with you, for that would be stealing. No, it wouldn't neither, said Toby stoutly. Wasn't he give to me to do just as I wanted to with? And didn't the boss say he was all mine? Oh, I'd forgotten that, said Ella thoughtfully. I suppose you can take him, but he'll be awfully in the way, won't he? No, said Toby, anxious to say a good word for his pet. He always does just as I want him to, and when I tell him what I'm trying to do, he'll be as good as anything. But I can't take your dollars. Why not? Because that wouldn't be right for a boy to let a girl littler than himself help him. I'll wait till I get money enough of my own, and then I'll go. But I want you to take my money, too. I want you to have it. No, I can't take it, said Toby, shaking his head resolutely, as he put the gold in temptation from him. And then, as a happy thought occurred to him, he said quickly, I tell you what to do with your dollars. You keep them till you grow up to be a woman. And when I'm a man, I'll come, and then we'll buy a circus of our own. I think, perhaps, I'd like to be with a circus, if I owned one myself. We'll have lots of money then, and we can do just what we want to. This idea seemed to please the little girl, and the two began to lay all sorts of plans for the time when they should be man and woman, have lots of money, and be able to do just as they wanted to. They had been sitting on the edge of the newly made ring while they were talking, and before they had half finished making plans for the future, one of the attendants came in to put things to order, and they were obliged to leave their seats, she going to the hotel to get ready for the afternoon's performance, and Toby to try to do such work as Mr. Job Lord had laid out for him. Just ten weeks from the time Toby had first joined the circus, Mr. Castle informed him and Ella that they were to appear in public on the following day. They had been practicing daily, and Toby had become so skillful that both Mr. Castle and Mr. Lord saw that the time had come when he could be made to earn some money for them. End of chapter 14 Recording by James O'Connor Randolph, Massachusetts July 2010